Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry to impact your life. So share your story with us at info at And if God is using this ministry to impact you, we would like to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do so online at fellowshipgj.com. Select the giving option that works best for you and help us bring the message of Christ to this community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about your perfect match or your soulmate. Now, this really is a message for everybody. Even though we're going to be talking a lot about marriage, the truth is, is that everyone, for the most part, on a percentage basis, wants to find their soul mate, wants to have their perfect match. Even if you've been married and maybe you've gone through a rough divorce and at that moment you say, I'll never be married again. Statistics say that 95% of people will remarry. And the reason is, is because none of us want to be alone. We're not designed to be alone. We're not designed to try to do life, uh, life stresses by ourselves. We were designed to do it with a life partner. Now, sometimes people will have the gift of singleness. Paul speaks of that in scripture. And the gift of singleness is when God calls you to be single without a spouse. But that is a very small percentage of people. So regardless of whether you're younger and you will get married, or maybe you're engaged, or maybe you're newly married, or you've been married for many years, or maybe you have just gone through a painful divorce, this message is for you. Now, I can't talk about soulmates and perfect matches without talking about my soulmate. I met Rebecca in 1989 at a youth camp in Tyler, Texas called Pine Cove. And at the time, I was in Bible college, and she was going to LSU, and we ended up at the same uh, camp. And it was really a, just a storybook romance. I think people kind of uh, look, look at camps and going away on retreats and finding the person that they love and will spend the rest of their life with. And that was really the case for Rebecca and I. And so we met and it was just this awesome thing. And it was crazy too, because we were not looking for somebody. We were both dating other people. But when we left for, uh, for summer break, we had said, you know, if, if you want to go on dates, whatever. And so we saw, we found each other and we did just that. We started dating. We started courting. We fell in love. And we dated for three years uh, before we got married. And, and here's a wedding picture. Um, yes. That's actually uh, Rebecca's first marriage. That, that's not, I don't know. I don't know who that guy is. Uh, actually, um, my Bible college contacted me and wanted to know if they could use that is a before picture, and where I'm at now is an after picture of what 30 years of ministry will do to you. <laughs> just so they can show new students and just say, hey, I just want to let you know what you're really getting into. But we had this incredible whirlwind romance, and we dated and courted for three years and had this beautiful uh, uh, wedding in Louisiana. And it was really, really an incredible start for us. But like any other relationship, like any other, other marriage, we hit our crossroad points. If you've been married for any period of time, you have probably hit that crossroad point as well. Maybe a few times. The crossroad point where you say something so tragic has happened in our relationship that we have to make the decision, are we going to continue on trying to be married or are we going to just cut our losses? 
Are we just going to move on and, and try this again with somebody else? And so for our major crossroad in our relationship, it came about five or six years into the marriage and it, all, it could have destroyed us, but instead what we decided is we're not going to allow it to destroy us. We decided that we were going to let that failure become our strength. We decided that we were going to take that crucifixion in our marriage and allow God to make it into a resurrection. And so from that, uh, Rebecca and I have been able to write two marriage curriculums. Uh, we teach those uh, annually. And from our hurts and our pains, we've been able to help so many others. And thank God for that. Like, thank God for that. But when it comes to your soulmate or your perfect match, we have to understand that there are some dangerous myths out there concerning, us, concerning that subject that could set us up for failure. And if we're not careful, they'll give us some false expectations as far as marriage is concerned. And that first myth is that my soulmate will be just like me. Right? Everybody laughs that's been married, right? You'll always hear couples. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll be talking to a couple that is, that's engaged and they're thinking about marriage. And I'm like, so, you know, how, are you guys in love? I mean, tell me about yourself. And they'll always say this. They'll always say, they'll always say we're so much alike. We're so much alike. And guys will say things like, we're so similar that we can just hang out and laugh with each other and recreate together, hunt and fish and have sex all the time. <laughs> and girls will say things like, we're so much alike that we'll have romantic dates and back rubs and intimate conversations throughout our marriage. <laughs> Myths. <laughs> Maybe just lies. <laughs> now, Online dating has become really, really popular. And they base online dating on making a match, right? Trying to find what uh, your personality type and your interests and matching it with other personality types and interests. And, and it works. I mean, there's a lot of people that have, have found love that way, have found second love that way. And I want to make sure that I reiterate in this, in this message that even if you've been married before, it doesn't mean you can't find a soulmate out there. Your soulmate, your perfect match could still be out there. In fact, sometimes your perfect match comes in a better form on the second time around. I mean, it just does. It just does. And, and, and that's okay. That, 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 there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we, we want to avoid divorce, but understand sometimes that happens. And so, so uh, my mom actually, so my dad and my mom were married, I think, for like 55 years. They had this uh, beautiful marriage. I love my dad a lot. Well, we lost him about seven years ago. And so for my mom, it was extremely difficult for her to do life alone. She just couldn't do it. She wasn't made that way. She did not have the gift of singleness. And so she started uh, uh, looking at a ChristianMingle.com uh, and, and different things, and she met another soulmate. And so now she has a, a new husband, and they're doing great and they are so good for each other and they're so happy together and I'm so happy for that. But understand when it comes to dating and matching with people online, even though you may match with them, you're still going to be different. You're still going to have major differences. Even if it's a perfect match according to how it scores on your test, it will still, you will still be very different and are very different people. Because compatibility is built on character and values, not sameness. You're not the same. You're very different in many ways. So that's the first myth. The second myth is my soulmate and I will never have any major problems and will always be in love. Right? 
No matter how much of a match you are, you will still have issues. If you prepare properly, understand, and, and marry a Christian, it will lessen those issues. And that's why we really, really encourage people, you know, do some premarital counseling. We, we recommend here at Fellowship Church to read the book and go through the workbook, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. It's an incredible curriculum for those that are thinking about getting married. There's also a curriculum that's, that's called Saving Your Second Marriage Before It Starts that really, really looks at the specifics and, and needs in and, and those relationships. So, uh, it, you know, it's important that we do our best to lessen the problems, but even if we do all of our homework, all of our due diligence, understand problems will arise. Struggles may happen. And it's important to the devil that you believe this myth, because the first time you hit some road bumps in your relationship, the enemy will whisper into your ear, see, you married the wrong person. I can't tell you how many times when we've been in counseling such situations with marriages where the couples will say, I just think I married the wrong person. I think I just blew it. But we have to understand that the greatest marriages are forged out of some of the biggest struggles in life. The greatest marriages are where two committed believers come together and roll up their sleeves and fight the good fight and never give up. Yes, you can applaud that. Number three, my soul, another, third myth, my soulmate will always make me happy and meet all of my needs. I really didn't expect laughter every one of, after one, every one of those points. So this is something that we spent a lot of time with in Renewal and Rescue 1.0, which is coming up just in a few weeks here in February. Rebecca and I spent a lot of time teaching on understanding each other's needs understanding each other's love languages. Because when we first get married, we just kind of assume that, you know what, our love languages will be the same. So if I'm speaking my love language, they'll just get it. Uh, Our needs are probably the same. So as long as my needs are being met, their needs are being met. And this is not the truth. And understand that if we don't meet each other's needs, if we don't speak each other's love languages, we will eventually fall out of love. Just because the marriage will go into a state of neglect. We need to remember no one person can ever make us completely happy. And joy can only come from our Heavenly Father. If you have a relationship with God, you can be filled with joy when everyone else around you might just be totally freaking out. That's just the way God is. And so we need to plug in to the author, to the creator of joy on a daily basis. We can't rely on our partner to be our source of joy. We can't put that expectation on them. If we do, we'll, we'll be setting our marriage up for failure. And we see this a lot in marriages where a person is, becomes codependent. And so they put so much pressure on their spouse to make them happy, to make them uh, uh, feel um, um, important, and, and to just get all their needs met through them, that it drowns that other person. People can sometimes make you happy, but they can't be the source of that happiness, right? We can't be the source of each other's happiness. The basis of our happiness has to be in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. You might be in a situation right now where you go, I've been married a long time. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like maybe we didn't marry the right person. I really don't feel like we're the soulmates that we once were, maybe because, it's we, because we didn't marry the right person. And so you might be having these thoughts in your mind right now. But the truth is, for us to have a soulmate, we have to make choices every day. For us to keep that soulmate, 
we have to make those choices on a daily basis. Otherwise, once again, our marriage will go into a state of neglect. And I think the first thing, the first prior, or the first choice that we need to make uh, when it comes to our relationship is that spouse, our, the love of our life, our soulmate, our, our, the person that we, we, we picked for us always is a priority. The Bible is very clear about the fact that we are supposed to put God first, but we are supposed to put our spouse second. And you can look at your calendar and tell what the priorities are in your life. Do you plan vacations together? Not family vacations with uh, in-laws and with kids. And those, those, are, um, those are called uh, hardships. Those are not called um, <laughs> vacations. Yeah, I think that's a better word for those. Uh, uh, yes, those are important, right? But, but we have to vacation together. We have to retreat together. We have to date each other. We can never stop doing that. Do you celebrate special dates? Do you celebrate your anniversary? Or is it something that, that you can kind of forget at times? Uh, recently, Rebecca and I were watching a, a, a documentary series on Netflix. It was called, uh, 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 I think, The Movies That You Love. And so we were watching that. And does anybody remember what the most popular romantic movie was in 1987? Does anybody even remember that there was a year of 1987? Anybody remember what that was? Okay, it had Patrick Swayze in it. Okay. Oh, there it is. Dirty Dancing. All the women remembered right away. Your mind went right to shirtless Patrick Swayze. Right? <laughs> Didn't take you long to remember that. So we watched that movie, and as a couple, that's what we want. We want that romance. We want that story. We don't want anybody to ever put baby in a corner, right? <laughs> that's what we want, but a lot of times we get something more like this. Well, I had the time of my life. Got a cute dress at the mall, reservation for our anniversary. Anticipation in my eyes, invited all of the guys for the party. Why is he in that jersey? Surely he won't wear that to the winery. I just remembered. Tell you something. This must be love because I have the time of my life. No, I never felt this way before. Yes, I swear it's the truth, and I owe it all to you. 
So making your spouse a priority is huge. And I see so many relationships that get into trouble because we forget that. We do it really, really good at first. We do it really, really good when we're dating. And man, it's all about them. And we stay up all hours of the night talking to them on the phone and making sure that their needs are being met and making sure that we put our, our first step forward. But then we get married and, our, and, our, and our, uh, our priorities shift and we start thinking about, you know, making a living and making, you know, having kids and, and, then, and then doing hobbies and those kind of things. And where we get into trouble is when we put too much emphasis emphasis on the wrong, wrong things. Now, I am huge on everybody having a hobby, having things that they love to do. That's very important. And having things that you love to do, not only as a couple, but by yourself. And so for me, you know, when I first started getting married, when I first started getting married, when I first got married, <laughs> I told you 30 years, that's what happens. Uh, I, I decided, you know, I need something. I can't, you know, I can't play football anymore. I can't, you know, do these sports I did in high school, obviously. So I'm going to take up golf. I'll start golfing. And so I spent all of this time golfing. And understand this. If you are a young dad, don't golf. That is the worst hobby to pick up because it takes up so much time. And what happens is you got and you get an early tea time and you don't come home until like one in the afternoon or two in the afternoon and your spouse is left there with the kids the entire time. And you will be in trouble for the rest of the weekend. So, so I understood and thank God understood quick enough to where I realized that that is not the sport for me in this time of my life. I had to figure out some things that I could do that didn't take that much time and then also learn how to recreate with, uh, with her and with the family. Those are so, so important. And, you know, if we're not careful, things like video games or, or golf or TV or, or reading or whatever it is that you just really, really love doing, if we're not careful, that is what we'll spend the majority of our time spending uh, instead of spending time with our spouse and with our kids and, and, and the things that are really, really important. Secondly, the second choice that we have to make 
often to create soulmates is we have to make the choice of empathy. Empathy is understanding and entering into the person's feelings. We are so good at this when we're dating. Like we, we just, how are you feeling and how do you feel? But how do you feel? Just tell me how you feel. But then we get married and we just kind of, ah, whatever. You're talking about your feelings again. Could you stop talking about your feelings? Can we talk about anything else but your feelings? And so we get out of the habit of being empathetic. And in the beginning, we're so good about that, but not so good later on. And this is a choice that we have to make. And when, uh, whether we're dating or we're not, and we have to understand that the other person needs to feel loved. They need to feel that they are a choice. They need to feel like you are going through what they're going through and you understand it and you're right there with them. You see that we have this struggle a lot of times and it's between our will and our emotions. And the way it should be is our emotions should be here and our will should be here. So our will should always rule over our emotions. And when we're in that state, we don't get ourselves into trouble. But the problem is a lot of times we let our emotions come up over our will. And our emotions start to dictate our life instead of our will. And our emotions are selfish. Our emotions are all about me. Our emotions are about all about what I want, what I need. And when our emotions come over our will, then we stop making these choices that can make our marriage what we really would want it to be. We need to ask ourselves a question from time to time. I wonder what it would be like to be married to me. Right? Just ask yourself a question. Would I want to be married to me? I don't know. It's a really, really good test. And it's a really, really good evaluation of where we're at. And we would want to act a way, in a way that we would want to marry ourselves if we needed to. But many times that's not the case. A lot of times we need to ask ourselves the question, I wonder how my actions make my spouse feel. You know, if I fly off the handle, if I, you know, if I'm not engaged in conversation, if I'm just, you know, doing the remote control thing going, "Uh uh-huh, 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 right? That is not engaging. And so we have to ask ourselves, how am I making them feel? Am I entering into their life and the things that they're going through? Do they know that I care? Marriage experts say that five minutes of empathy a day can resurrect a relationship. No matter how bad your relationship is right now, no matter how big a mess that it is, if you'll just be empathetic five minutes a day, it can, it can resurrect it. Thirdly, we need to make the choice of generosity. Proverbs 11.25 out of the Living Bible says this, It is possible to give away and become richer. It is also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. Yes, the liberal man shall be rich by watering others. He waters himself. Generosity is a choice. Selfishness is a marriage and relationship killer. Generosity is like sprinkling fertilizer on your relationship to help it grow. Generosity is about giving in all areas of my life. When we date, we give of our time, gifts, emotions, communication, generously to who we're dating. And would you give to a relationship it flourishes. So a lot of times, guys, it's just about doing a little bit of an evaluation. Where are we at? Is it time that we invest in our marriage again? 
We aren't where we used to be. We're not as in love as we used to be. We need a spark. We don't want to just go through the motions. We, just, we don't want to just go through the routine of life together. We want to be partners. We want to be lovers. We want to be adventure takers together. That's, that's what we want for the long run. That's what we fell in love with, the idea of that, back when we watched the, the love stories when we were growing up. And we can have that again. But it takes some time. It takes some effort. And it takes a choice. So what I want to do to close this morning is I just want to have everybody stand up. And I want to pray over you as couples. Even if you're single, I'm going to pray over you too right now that God will just provide for you that perfect person, that perfect match. And what I'd like for you to do is if you're with your spouse, I'd like for you just to put your arm around them. There you go. And I want to pray over you specifically at first. Lord, thank you that we can come together and we can, we can laugh at our failures because we blow it, we mess up. But I pray now that you would do something special in the heart of every couple that's represented in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to once again cultivate a spark, a love, a passion, and maybe that passion is already there, God, but that you would intensify that. Lord, that we would have a new love for one another. That, Lord, we would really start making the choices that we should make for each other so that we can have that marriage that we've always wanted. Maybe it is some type of investment. We need to invest in a, a seminar or a retreat or a vacation together. Maybe we just don't have the tools that we need to be the couple that you would want us to be or the husband or wife we would want to be together. And if that's the case, Lord, be a lamp unto our feet. Show us, Lord God, where you would want us to go to find those things and to get those things for our marriage. We don't want to go through life and not be in love with each other anymore. We don't want a business partner. We don't want somebody that just takes care of the home and we just kind of take care of the bills for each other. Lord, we want what we always dreamt of. So I pray, Lord, that you'd make our dreams come true. I pray, Lord God, that you would do a new thing in every marriage in this room. And then, Lord, for every person here that is single, for whatever reason, God, I pray that you would do something remarkable in their life. That, Lord, maybe you would begin to heal hurts from, the pa from past relationships. You would begin to make us whole again so that we can be whole for somebody else. And then, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name right now, that you would pick out the perfect Christian for us to marry and that we would not settle. I pray, Lord God, that they would be a perfect match in so many ways, that we would match as far as personality, we'd match as far as, as, as faith, we would match as far, Lord God, as far as recreational things, the things that we love to do together. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring us that person in your timing. And Lord, we will promise to be patient until they show up. I pray, Lord, that you give us a sign of when that person shows up in our life so we'll know for sure. And I pray then that we would do our due diligence to be the best spouse that we can possibly be for that person. We love you, God. We thank you that you love us. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the helpmates that you've given us in our life. We thank you so much, Lord God, that we don't have to do life alone and that you didn't design us to do it that way. And I pray now that you guide us, be a lamp unto our feet, that we would take every step with you in our relationship with each other and our relationship with you. We love you, Lord. Praise you for this day. Let it be a new beginning for our marriages. 
In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.